does feel like he is back to that Jay Trab that we felt last year with that kind of attitude, that personality. Like he's back out there having fun again, playing, playing good and a little bit more relaxed. I think he had a lot of tension. I mean, anybody with that much talk that we did this whole offseason about national championship, got to make it a college football playoff. You have to get to this ACC championship. There was a lot of weight on these guys' shoulders and primarily Jordan Travis. And, um, you know, I noted on it last week about Mike Norvell sitting down with Jay Travis and saying, you know, you you got to have fun with it or you're just not going to play of your caliber that you're used to. And I think that took quite uh, the first half of the season for, for Jay Trav. And now you're just seeing a guy that's just so much more elusive. He, he likes using his legs more. I don't know if that's also to a health thing where he's getting healthier uh, week by week, but um, you know, Florida State, their, their QB1 is, is in a groove right now as being one of the top quarterbacks in the country, and it couldn't come at any perfect, any other time, better time in the uh, right now in the season. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live. Oh, no. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening as Florida State is still undefeated on the season. Me and Dustin did our instant reaction to Florida State beating Wake Forest. It had been a while, gentlemen. It had been a while, but VZ, you're up there. We're going to get your thoughts on that win for Mike Ravel and his squad. I uh, got a few other things that we want to talk about this evening, including, obviously, those college football playoff rankings. We're going to give our thoughts on that. Dabo Sweeney goes off on a Clemson fan. That should be a pretty fun discussion to talk about because that was a wild night on Twitter and definitely FSU Twitter taking full advantage of that. But uh, we're also going to talk about some ACC and the potential ACC matchup for Florida State, barring any kind of crazy setback uh, you know, Florida State expected to be up there in Charlotte. So looking forward to uh, talking about that. And then also we're going to jump into some practice observations and preview this Florida State versus Pittsburgh match, which will be kicked off on 3.30 on Saturday. So with me this evening is Austin Veazey, our lead basketball writer and game day preview man for the season. And then down below is Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NG. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How are we feeling? We were just talking about in the production meeting, but things are getting a little bit chillier. It was a chilly day at practice for you, d -Lou. Yeah, a little cold in Tallahassee today in the 40s, and uh, we were out there sitting at the top of Dick Hauser Stadium where we observed most of the practice, and I don't know what it is about just being higher up, but, I mean, man, the wind was just whipping us over there, and it was rough. Mike Norvell called us out after for being a little soft, but – <laughs> you know, it was fun just getting to be back around the team this week. And you, know, you can definitely tell there's a bit of a bounce in their step going into this one. Florida State definitely not overlooking what could be a potential trap game up there in uh, Pittsburgh. 
that seems like a stretch. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a hot game on Saturday. And, you know, once the same was only about forty five minutes from my house and eighty mid eighties, and now we're gonna be in the twenties tonight. So just a drastic change of weather here in North Carolina. But you know, it's football season, football weather. We love it. Yep, it's flipped, man. It's flipped. I like that Coach Ravel. That was keeping. Not only players accountable, staff accountable, but also now the media seems like he's now coaching you guys up quite a bit. So good to see that, D. Lou. Um, you know, he wants to have his video, his incoming video, whenever he walks into practice. So you can't miss another day like that or you're going to get called out. So uh, always good to be on the good side of the head man's spot inside. If he wants more responsibility on his plate, we will we'll give it to him. Nice. Very nice. But uh, yeah, before we get started, as always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're not, if you're on YouTube right now, hit that like button, comment if you have any questions, or if you have some topics you guys want us to jump into, we will most certainly uh, go through a couple of these tonight if you have any suggestions on some things that we should discuss. Uh, but let's go and jump into it. VZ, you know, we'll also give our last thoughts too on it, D. Lou, but give VZ the floor here. He was at the game, obviously. Uh, what were your thoughts? Because it seemed like on TV, it wasn't the same kind of Wake Forest crowd that we had seen in years past when Florida State's on the road. It seemed like a lot of FSU fans made their trek up there uh, to Winston-Salem. But tons of Florida State fans. It was at least 50-50, if not Florida State, maybe had more fans there. Um, there's a ton of Florida State fans in the Charlotte metro area, so I'm not surprised that they made the short trip up there. And they were loud. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of points in the game where they're doing the war chant throughout the game. Wake Forest fans really weren't doing anything, and at halftime, a lot of them had left anyway. So just a lot of garden and gold in that building, and the, the team put on a good show. That's I would say that's easily the best first half we've seen from Florida State all season. Second half, the game was pretty much already out of hand, so you could tell they weren't trying. The defense backed off a little bit, but you know that second quarter especially was as good as we've seen this team in the first half, I'd say. Definitely didn't feel like your typical road game, that's for sure. You, you think back to – the hostile environments that Florida State faced at Boston College and Clemson, um, it was a lot more on their side up there in uh, Winston-Salem. For sure. And, you know, th that stadium only holds, I think, 31,000 is the official number. Um, and it wasn't the stadium wasn't even close to sold out. So there was maybe 29,000, 30,000 fans in attendance. And, you know, bo both Jordan Travis and Norvell were very complimentary of all the Florida State fans. I think Travis even said um, – you know, you go on the road and it's not even really a road game. It's a home game. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's really been the case outside of Clemson. It comes into Boston College. Yep, exactly. And where Clemson at when we were at the game at Clemson too, you know, Florida State fans were pushed at the very top of yeah. the top level. So it was hard to really see them or nor really get a true, uh, you know, feel of a fan base being there, you know, making an effect on the uh, Clemson Tigers. But still, Florida State's doing a really good job of traveling. We saw that last year, too, when they faced LSU. I thought that was a really, really yeah. impressive showing for showing up to that game. Um, but expected to do that here. Uh, going through this postseason, hopefully Florida State's fan base uh, really excited. So still got to get through these games. Uh, one thing, though, that felt like a regular theme throughout the game, VZ, and you were there for it because you were tech, you were putting it in the Discord in our – in our server chat about uh, the, all these injuries, man. And, you know, Jared verse, it seemed like after he had that gash on top of his eye there, uh, he turned into like a cyborg, man. He was getting to the backfield, but um, yeah, I, I thought Jared verse had one of his best games of the season, obviously recording two sacks on the day, but a few guys got dinged up VZ, but uh, it was good to see Jared verse back at practice too this week. 
Yeah, he had, I think he ended with eight pressures in that game against Wake Forest. And, you know, he, he got gashed under the, uh, under the eye, he said in the, in the little quotes after that, you know, someone went to stiff arm him, his hand got under his face, Max skin cut him. He didn't count how many stitches he got, but you could tell it was, it was a pretty serious gas for being right under the eye and for him to come right back on the field, get two sacks, get eight pressures. It's a hell of a performance. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of guys got deemed up in and out in and, or throughout the game. Some guys came back, some didn't. Some guys been practicing, some haven't. But, you know, it, it just speaks to the depth of this team. You know, for the longest time we were worrying, or we were saying, you know, this, this team's got the talent, the two deep, but what happens if guys get injured? We saw the team play without Johnny Wilson, Dustin Hill, and Hikey Williams, and guys are stepping up. Poitier had a pretty solid game. Morlock was involved. Jaheim Bell was involved. Obviously, Keon was involved. Ja'Kai had a big play down the middle of the field, just getting a whole bunch of different guys involved and even using Trey Benson in the passing game, and he was catching the ball finally after we saw him drop a few a few weeks ago. But just a good job getting everybody involved. I thought Jordan Travis was pretty sharp most of the game. There was a couple throws he'd probably like to have back, but for the most part, he had some of his best throws of the season. I thought that pass from Warlock in the fourth quarter was his best throw of the season. Just put it absolutely on the money where only Morlock could get it. It was in the absolute perfect spot. So pretty solid day for the offense overall. Yeah, Florida State's depth uh, at the skill positions was really on display <clears throat> without <clears throat> without having Johnny and Destin and Hakeem out there. You know, some guys that he's relied on this season. Johnny, a big one, obviously forced Jordan to kind of open things up a little bit. And we saw a bunch of guys different uh, getting involved, like you said, Austin, from other wide receivers to the tight ends to the running backs catching passes. Trey Benson obviously having that big play. Keon making two insane touchdown um, catches and going back to Jared Burch, you know, he's still sporting that battle star or battle scar. He's got a nice little bandage under his eye this week at practice, but I mean, that hasn't set him back at all. And still throwing, um, throwing Jordan Travis to the ground. I love that before practice begins every day. Yeah. Jordan threw him to the ground the last couple of days. And then today he finally returned the favor a little bit. So, I mean, it's a little back and <laughs> forth there. It looks like a little WWE wrestling match before mm-hmm. practice gets going just some kind of tradition that they've got going and just a little fun thing for them before the competition really gets going on the field. Cause I mean, it gets intense out there sometimes during those practices, but we were talking about it on the instant reaction a little bit, how quickly he got those two sacks after coming back from injury. And I looked it up seven total plays between the two sacks. And that goes from um, the punt on the wake forest or the, yeah, the first sack to the Florida state drive, which was the, the Trey Benson uh, screen touchdown. Yep back to Wake Forest, and Verse gets another sack within a total span of seven plays. So really impressive performance from him, and it's good to see him coming to life because, you know, you're going to the stretch run of this regular season and ACC championship and, you know, potential playoff trip from there. So Florida say they're going to need the best Jared Verse as well as the best defense that they can have moving forward. And we saw that whole unit, I mean, clicking uh, in October. And it was weird how Wake was deciding to block him. I don't know if it really stood out – on first watch, but they were using a lot of just one-on-one with a tight mm-hmm. end at first. I'm like, what are you guys doing? It's Jared Verse. And he was just <laughs> eating that tight end up and eventually started getting the double teams that we've been used to seeing all year. But I feel, I feel like Wake just didn't game plan for the animal that Verse can be sometimes. And granted, Pat Payton had a great game. Really, the whole defensive line made an impact. Braden Fisk made a few big plays. Um, it's just a really solid day for that unit overall, but their whole decision-making process on blocking Verse was weird. Some mm-hmm. of their in-game decisions were weird, like they, like Clawson kicked the field goal 
on fourth and goal from the six, but then goes for it on fourth and six from the 23, the next series that didn't make any sense. Just a lot of things. And I'm like, I was wondering why is Wake Forest doing this when it just didn't seem to make a whole bunch of sense. I thought you could tell Florida state really got them out of their element. Uh, yeah. Wake Forest, they haven't been dominated like that many times over the last couple of years. For sure. Mm-hmm. No, no. And Clawson didn't know what to do either. And he was not too happy on the sideline a few times throughout yeah. that game. <laughs> it just felt like one of those classic games. You know, you go back to that stretch from 2013 to 14 where Florida State won the 29 straight. And I mean, even some before and after that where they were just going on the road to some of these ACC stadiums and, I mean, just smacking teams. And, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it felt like, Florida State, even though they rack up over 100 penalty yards and there were some mistakes throughout the game. I mean, they come out with a 25-point win, cover the spread on the road, and, I mean, really just go in there and take the life out of Wake Forest early. I mean, this mm-hmm. game was over in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Se- second quarter. Well, I think it was, I think it was what, 17-7 yeah, to seven at the end of the first quarter, or 10-7? to seven? By the middle of the second quarter. It was yeah. pretty much all written up. Yeah, it was, the penalties were weird. You know, Florida State's, I feel, been pretty disciplined most of the year. There's been a couple things here and there, but nine for 115 was absurd. And then for mm-hmm. Wake to have five for 44, just felt a little unbalanced. I know a lot of fans were complaining about the refs throughout the game, but there's definitely some things where we're wondering for the press box going, really? Like, especially that one with Byron Turner. I felt like he was just, mm-hmm. it looked aggressive and they called it. I didn't, you know, it just looked like a good football play to me. It was bad, yeah. and then you get the holding call on uh, Roddick outside of the pocket there that negates that uh, yeah. crazy catch by Kentron. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then I wasn't too mad at that one. I was mad at the offensive pass interference the next play on I think it was Keon yep. on the comeback route. And from what we could tell in the press box, it looked yeah. like she was getting held at the top of the route. Like, it was what? clean. Yeah. <laughs> what, what what are we doing here, ACC? Yeah. I don't know if they're keeping a record book, but Florida State. I mean, they've gotten called five, six times this season, it feels like, for offensive pass interference. We need to figure out if we can get the record on that somewhere because I feel like I've heard that so many times. It happened in the first three games of the season. I was going to say, the, the LSU game, was Johnny? That where the same thing happened? He got held at the top of the route, and he got called for offensive pass interference, and everyone was super confused. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be striking up some major complaints if I was Norville, and I'm sure he has. Yep, hundred percent. I thought too, Jay Trav, like you were saying, that throw with Morlock uh, was gorgeous, and it does feel like he is back to that Jay Trav that we felt last year with that kind of attitude, that personality. Like he's back out there having fun again, playing, playing good, and a little bit more relaxed. I think he had a lot of tension. I mean, anybody with that much talk that we did this whole off season about national championship, got to make it a college football playoff. You have to get to this ACC championship. There was a lot of weight on these guys' shoulders, and primarily Jordan Travis. And um, you know, I noted on it last week about Mike Norvell sitting down with Jay Trav and saying, you know, you you got to have fun with it, or you're just not going to play of your caliber that you're used to. And I think that took quite uh, the first half of the season for for Jay Trav, and now you're just seeing a guy that's just so much more elusive. He, he likes using his legs more. I don't know if that's also to a health thing where he's getting healthier uh, week by week, but. Um, you know, for, Florida State, their, their QB1 is, is in a groove right now as being one of the top quarterbacks in the country, and it couldn't come at any perfect, any other time, better time in the uh, right now in the season. I mean, he had some big-time throws in that Wake Forest game, not even not even mentioning that Morlock one, but he had the, the slot fade to Jaheim Bell, which was perfectly placed. He had the fade to Tron in the first quarter. 
up down the sideline. He had some really big time throws. And there was a couple more that he was just inches away from connecting on. Like, I want to say it was the second or third quarter. He had Darian Williamson on a corner route in the end zone and couldn't quite connect in the next play. It's a little too low for Keon Coleman. You know, he was just inches off for making a, another big time throw, but he's been sharp these last couple of weeks. And it's, it's good that he's, I'm, I wouldn't even say he's more elusive. I just think he's playing more free. He's not playing as tight within himself. Yeah, it seems like he's just settled down over these yeah. last couple of weeks. I mean, it just isn't isn't getting caught up in it in his head as much as he was before. I mean, it's just taking the right plays now. You know, outside of that pick six against Duke these last two weeks, I mean, he's been locked oh, in and very good for Florida State. A season-high 359 passing yards against Wake Forest, four total touchdowns, um, four total touchdowns against Duke. If he can keep this stretch up, I think we could be talking about Jordan Travis going to uh, New York for that Heisman Trophy ceremony. We could. I, I'd say it's tough to beat out Jaden Daniels right now, who's just putting up video game At numbers. I don't know if he's he wins, to to, but yeah, I mean, just to be invited yeah, to the ceremony. There's a lot of good players, though, because I think, I think Marvin Harrison is going to get an invite just because he's Marvin Harrison. And then you can talk about the Michael Penix and the Bo Nix and all these other guys. There's a lot of good players in college football this year, and it's not like last year where Caleb Williams was just so dominant. What about Shador Sanders? Hmm. What? <laughs> uh, I was looking at this stat to uh, Cam Meller, who uh, actually did some time covering Florida State, but he's now the executive editor of the College Football Network. He tweeted earlier today uh, about Trey Benson. Trey Benson's one of the fastest players in college football, at least recorded here on one of the services they use. But uh, three players have been charted at 22 miles per hour uh, more than once this season. The only players to do that are Trey Benson, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, and Dylan Edwards from Colorado. But it just it's ridiculous how fast Trey Benson is at that size. Like you, you do the weight differences between Mar- – I'll look up Marvin Harrison's weight and everything, but just for Trey Benson to have that – you know, Dustin, it was, it was hard for us to see it in practice, and it's hard for you because they're not doing a whole ton of contact and such, but you'll see him break out a run to the right side and go down the sideline, and you're like, man, you know, he doesn't show you the full potential. I, I just think game speed, this dude just clicks different when the pads are on. For sure. I think you can kind of take it for granted sometimes because, I mean, at least <clears throat> at least for me, you know, I'm seeing it every single day, but it's a little different when you get out there and, like you said, in the game – making that play, I mean, outrunning that entire Wake Forest defense on that 80-yard touchdown catch. And then, I mean, the same thing when you think back to the the 80-yard touchdown run they had against Virginia Tech. I mean, just down that sideline and outrunning everybody. Had a guy that looked like he might have caught him and then put in an extra gear there to get to the end zone. Trey Benson, when he gets in that open field, I mean, definitely a freak and someone that can break it open despite being what most people would consider a bigger running back. I mean, that's a huge quality to have, you know, for a guy that's going to be hoping to – potentially make a leap to the NFL after this season. We haven't always seen him at his best in 2023, but I think he's starting to find a little bit of gro- a little bit of a groove here and kind of interested to see where it goes after this last weekend. You can even go back to his kickoff return last year against Boston College. Just when he gets up in the open field and he's able to put his foot in the ground and just go, there's a few better players in the country. And we've talked about that a couple of times in the last few weeks, but you know, as when he can get moving North and South and he can get in that extra gear, he's, very difficult to catch and bring down. Yep. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., his size 6'4", 205. 
And also <laughs> Edwards, who's 5'9", 170 from Colorado. Yeah, that that makes sense. Wow. 225. Mm. I mean, with pads on, you're well over 225 helmet. I mean, you're you just add on the weight of the helmet, pads, everything that Trey's bringing with them on with the 225. It's just straight stupid. Right. So, so is Marvin 22 at 6'4". That's, that's stupid. <laughs> He's got that stride, man. <laughs> He's a freak athlete as well. Be Absolutely. interested to see where Keon stacks up in there. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I know we're months away from it, but I'm really curious to see how Keon tests at the at the NFL Combine in March. It's going to mm-hmm. be so fun just watching him and Marvin Harrison Jr. go up against each other potentially in that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Marv skips just because he's going to be a top four pick pretty much no matter what. Keon can elevate himself if he runs in the low four fours. Yeah, I think definitely. I want to see Marvin out, out there though, for sure. In the in the comments, it's gonna be fun. I was just thinking about it earlier, about how much fun we're gonna have these next. Like football season doesn't really ever stop for us. We have a, maybe a month or two where things slow down for sure. But I can't wait for the postseason and then going into mm-hmm. the combine, NFL draft. There's so many projections of these guys on Florida State's roster and not just when these guys get drafted, but also then expanding into covering them on the NFL side, which we do uh, we do a lot of at nolgandy.com. Like I'm like licking my chops at it. Like, you know, seeing some of these projections of Jared Verse right now and some of the teams that he's going to, he could be a game changer for him. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of verse and Coleman talk being inside the top 15. Yeah. You know, that's been a while since Florida State's been able to say that. And it's just the fact of having some prospects from FSU going to NFL that are going to be going through the NFL combine. I mean, we, there's only been two total guys the, the last two years, um, Jermaine Johnson and Jamie Robinson, that have actually yeah. participated in the combine from FSU. You're going to see that number bump up exponentially, and it's going to be kind of fun. You know, that's some more ammunition for Florida State on the recruiting trail as well, but also just to see how these guys test because, I mean, there's some freaks on this team for sure. Yeah, that number is probably going to what quadruple. Probably and, seven or eight guys in the combine between Kalen, Verse, Keon, Johnny, Trey. What does Farmer want to do? Like, there's some guys, too, on the uh, brink. Don't, what don't, do they want don't to speak do? of that. We want him back. <laughs> don't, don't start that conversation. Up. Don't bring it up. You got Renardo Green. I mean, yeah, that's, no, that's like, another one. Renardo, I think, would benefit a lot by coming back another year, just adding a little bit more weight to him. Because the NFL is obsessed with these long, strong, athletic corners. He's got the athleticism. I think if you add a little bit more weight to him, it'll, it'll help him. But he's been playing at a phenomenal level. Well, he's a think, he's a redshirt senior. Oh, is yeah, he? I think he's a gone. junior. Yeah, he's ah, a senior. Damn. Yeah, he, he's going to be gone into just the incoming class to what you have in the DB position. And you still have Azari Thomas. Uh, there's a lot of things that some players from this and I don't know roster. If we, I don't know if we mentioned Tatum, but I've seen some yeah. NFL Tatum. scouts talking with him at practice the, the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, there, there are some guys. Jaheim, potentially. I was, I was just about to say Jaheim, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, Jaheim's been in a couple mocks. Yeah, they just like you, know, get him a, you just got to get a coach that knows what they're doing with them. And there you go. Braden Fisk is someone I can see being a star, a potential star of the NFL Combine. Yeah. He's he's, he's been dominating these last few weeks. He's just blown some plays up. We're like, yep, yep, there he is. That's someone that's someone definitely would like to have on this. He show. got a he got an interception at practice yesterday. Picked off a screen pass. Damn. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of forget. There's just too much talent. It's gonna be fun. We'll we'll have a fun, really fun uh 
postseason NFL draft. Like I love all that kind of stuff. So we're gonna we're having a, we're gonna have a good time on here. Uh, there's a question here from Miss Carol on Facebook asking about college football playoff rankings. Perfect transition over to that on the rankings that were released last night. This will be every Tuesday on ESPN at 7 p.m. We are going to be reacting to these rankings every week as we've done with the AP poll, but Florida State sticking and staying at number four. But talk about a shuffle, man, all around, all around. Ohio State at number one, Georgia two, Michigan three. Just going off those top four right there with Florida State included, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Because I wasn't really heavily expecting that but i'm not too shocked but i wasn't expecting uh i wouldn't say georgia to flip down to two but it's pretty apparent that it doesn't matter what happened last year with this committee and just is all about this year i'm just a little confused about it honestly because if you're going to award ohio state for getting those top 10 wins i mean which should absolutely be positive uh things on their resume you know having those wins over notre dame and penn state You've also got to give Florida State the positive marks for beating LSU and Duke. I mean, you look at Georgia, one top 25 win. That was against Kentucky, who we mentioned earlier in this podcast, a pretty pretty fickle team. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get out of them each and every week. That was also um, in Georgia. And then Michigan just hasn't played anybody to this point of the season. So I think, you know, if if you're going, going to do that with Ohio State, you got to have Florida State probably at three, flip Michigan to four, keep Georgia at two. That's fine with – how they've done the last couple of years, but I don't know. I feel like Ohio state was valued a lot more than what Florida state has done. Imagine if LSU didn't have that loss right now at this point of the season, they'd be number one. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough. I did a really long winded projection Tuesday before the, the, um, the rankings came out. And to me, if you're going to reward Ohio state's strength of schedule, as you should, Honestly, I mean, they're in, I think they're in the 20s in strength of schedule. You know, Florida State's in the mid 40s. Michigan's 100th and, or, and, you know, sorry, Georgia's 100th and Michigan's like 111th. So to me, if you're going to reward one resume, you have to reward the other. And I get Florida State's isn't as strong as Ohio State's, but there's, should, they should, one shouldn't be one and one shouldn't be four. And, and to you're me, relying. They need to be connected. Sorry, yeah. And they're relying heavily, too, on this Boston College game. That's the only thing analysts can talk about on College Game Day and all these other shows is that a Which, few Boston bad quarters just, of play. But Boston then just look- one game away from clinching a bowl berth just out of nowhere. Uh-huh. They, have a better, they have a better record than Clemson and Virginia Tech and all these other teams. You know, as I, was, I forget what podcast it was that I was listening to either last night or this morning, but someone, someone said, you know, what if – Florida State was just coming off the Boston College win, like this past weekend. So I'm like, so they'd be beating a five and two Boston College team to get them the third loss. I don't think anybody would be mad about that. So there's this weird narrative around the Boston College game that doesn't make that much sense. And it's like Ohio State played pretty close against Indiana early in the season, and, and Maryland struggled that against game. South Carolina and Auburn this season. I mean, that's just kind of what happens. Yeah, to, to to me in the projections I did, I had Georgia first just because, you know, they've won 25 straight and two straight national titles. Mm-hmm. To me, until they lose, they deserve number one. I don't care who they've played or how they've looked this season. They deserve number one. I had Ohio State two, Florida State three, Michigan four, and then Washington a distant fifth just because these last two weeks they have not looked very good. Mm-hmm. And, yes, they beat Oregon, but if that game is played anywhere else in the country outside of Husky Stadium, Oregon wins that football game. And pretty handily, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, down 5-6 is Washington, Oregon, and then Texas, Alabama at 8, and then at 9 is Oklahoma, 10, Ole Miss. Uh, Louisville, ACC, uh, they're at number 13, so something that we're monitoring as we've been discussing now getting to this latter half of the season, getting to that postseason run, ACC championship up in Charlotte. Um, at the end of the season, Louisville being a potential uh, matchup there, which, you know, we were talking about in the production meeting, who would you rather have um, if you want obviously for your resume, you want to face that Louisville team, but there's some things that need to be done, but um, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the top 25, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch as we go week by week on how things change and get moved around but yeah a little interesting there where florida state didn't notch up and move up to number three in my opinion just just a little bit questionable and i think too a few of the analysts at least from what we were hearing last night too were also kind of wondering that as well uh, burger mcfarlane big uh big on fsu though he, he likes the seminoles yeah he's big on fsu chris fowler's big on fsu reese davis has has been very high on him as well. And I yeah. really like Reese Davis. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, the, to me, the playoff committee just needs to switch the BCS, like go back to the computers, let them do the math again and just take the top four teams from that. Cause there's too much bias in these committees. And I know they take the eighties of that particular program out, but it's just, there's still too much human bias and it's, you know, it's natural. Just get the computers yeah. back in, let them do their thing. I will say, but regardless for the state, um, if the postseason began today, they would be one of four teams competing for a national championship. It's been a long time since the fan base could say that. I mean, it's been the highest that Florida State obviously has been ranked in that college football playoff poll um, since the system was unveiled back in 2014. It's been a while, but Florida State, they're back on the right track, and hopefully we're going to start seeing uh, that number, those top four numbers around Florida State's name a, a lot more consistently. I mean, honestly, I'd, I'd be fine running this playoff right now because I'd much rather play Ohio State right now than Michigan or Georgia just because I feel like we know what Ohio State is. They have an elite defense, but their offense is just mm – -hmm. you know, I'd much rather play Ohio State than either the, either the other two teams right now. Obviously, that can change over two months when the playoffs would start, but you know, that's kind of how I'd feel right now. Mm -hmm. Pretty much agree with that sentiment. I think when you're looking at the playoffs, it's going to come down to not only your defense, but who is the better quarterback. And when you look at that matchup, Jordan Travis, far and ahead, Kyle McCord, in my opinion, and he's proven sure. on some big stages before. We saw McCord in that Penn State game. I mean, that was an ugly one for Ohio State. So matchup against an elite defense, like we're seeing Florida State put on the field, under 100 passing yards allowed the last three games. And, I mean, really hitting their rhythm in October, I thought, from all phases of the ball game. That would be a good matchup for Florida State. And not only – the passing yards, but they have the lowest completion percentage allowed in the country for the season, under 50%. And did not allow a passing touchdown in the month of October. And if we're just strictly talking about Ohio State, McCord threw as many touchdowns in the Wisconsin game last week as Travis has all season. So to me, it's not even close. And I get McCord's put up some big passing yardage, but he's, they're not scoring that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is the standings for the ACC right now on the screen. Florida State at the top with six wins in the conference. Then you go down below. Right now, Louisville's in that second notch, uh, four and one in the conference. Virginia Tech below that, three and one. Georgia Tech, UNC both three and two. 
ACC. We did, we, we did not expect this, man. We we did not expect this whatsoever, gentlemen. What remember, we, remember before the season, and we said, you know, what if Clemson and Florida State could play again in the ACC championship, and maybe both teams <laughs> can make the playoff? Remember that conversation? Mm-hmm. And there's yep. Clemson down there at what is that, eleventh, tenth? Yeah, uh, at two they're, and four. They're down there. They're yeah. down there. They're down uh, there. Down there. <laughs> and and you know, we just played Virginia Tech less than a month ago. And now they're, you know, if they beat Louisville this weekend, they'll be second in the ACC. Just an mm-hmm. absurd, absurd year. It's been weird to see how the ACC has kind of cannibalized itself. Because yeah. Louisville, I mean, their one loss is to Pittsburgh. Obviously, Clemson's losing to everybody. Look at North Carolina. They lost to Miami and Georgia Tech. Um, it's It's been a weird... Georgia Tech lost to Boston College. And I don't even know if I can name the second team. But... Hmm. It's just a weird year. A very weird one, but Florida State still remaining um, undefeated to this point, staying out of it, and hopefully hoping to do it again this weekend up in Pittsburgh. The magic number for the Seminoles is now one. If Florida State wins this game this weekend, they clinch their appearance in the AC Championship for the first time since 2014 would be another milestone for this program that has uh, climbed out of the grave the last couple of years. That's for damn sure. We've, uh, Dustin, you've never been up to the Charlotte Stadium, right? Never been. No, hoping to go. Yeah, if they win this weekend. I mean, we can we can book the travel plans. Yeah, start getting travels. Uh, get the travel. I need I need some ACC championship merch, man. All I see all these beat writers. They've got on like these playoffs, playoff backpacks, all these kind of cool things. Be back in the mix since 2014. Uh, it will definitely be nice. But Florida State still got to take care of business. We'll talk about Pittsburgh here. In a few, uh, one more thing though, Dabo Sweeney going off on going off on a Clemson fan. I'm gonna pull up the audio here in a minute, gentlemen. But uh, Clemson fan practically calling him out on the season and also definitely rude. I don't blame Dabo for going off, I don't blame it really him really whatsoever, but it is Dabo, so it's easy to kind of. I was bully him a tad bit but he the, the the caller practically was saying that we're paying you all this much money four and four what's going on here uh, he was he was saying more than that he was saying you're glorified tommy bowden he said <laughs> you're arrogant he's he was saying a ton of stuff he went on for like two and a half minutes and i've been to a lot of call-in shows because when i was a student at florida state you know you just go to jimbo fisher college shows it's just something you do because you know what else are you going to do on a tuesday night or whatever night it was and just, you know, every now and then one of those calls would come in and, you know, someone would click the call and go, oops, sorry, I lost a call. How does that not happen here? Unless Dabo was just like, no, no, let him go. I'll answer. And then he goes on this epic five-minute tirade that's got some of the most legendary call-in show quotes I've ever seen. It literally felt like Clemson was sabotaging him because I'm saying I'm thinking the same thing. How do you not have someone cut the collar off? How does the host of the show, I mean, Dabo's going on this four- or five-minute-plus rant, how do you – not just come into it and be like, all right, well, we're going to go to a quick break and come right back. Or I, I don't know, figure some way to get out of this. Cause now you've got a national scene on your hands and, you know, Clemson obviously having one of the worst seasons that they've had under Dabo. I mean, the worst one in over a decade, obviously at this point, a lot of uh, the spotlight on them, you can tell they're starting to feel the attention. And yeah, I mean, Dabo to me responded, uh, uh, the way I think Jimbo Fisher probably would have responded in 2017 <laughs> if they didn't pull that fan yeah. out and yeah, send him to jail, whatever they did with him. 
Yeah, no, it's um, it, it was it was surprising. <laughs> they tossed him out of there. I mean, like pushing the guy in the back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw the first quote pop up on on Twitter Monday night. I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny. And then it just kept going and kept going. I'm like, oh wow, this is all time incredible. Stuff. I, I love this. Yeah, yeah. I we haven't shared any news yet, but got a new site that's uh, launched uh, actually today, but we'll be announcing tomorrow. So getting now to be able to cover things like this where we're, you know, usually just strictly on Bucks and Florida state and uh, MMA, but now being able to branch out to kind of the drama side of college things going on. Don't want to give away everything now, but um, it, it was, it was phenomenal. I'm going to play. I won't play this whole thing on here yeah, unless the chat really wants us to. It is entertaining. Not the whole thing, but here's a little glimpse of what's going on here. We put out an article, so I would suggest go reading that article if uh, I put out the article. Yeah, VZ put it out. Make sure y'all can y'all hear it. No. Hold up. I thought Kate wrote the article. I I did it for the other site. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about that site. Wow. Damn. Jeez. Damn. To share it. Oh, there you go. StreamYard, get your crap together. You have to turn it up and restart it. Yeah, I don't. I can I hear it. I can't. This is the. This is the only one that they got. You can't hear it. Like you can, you can, but you can't. Business. 
So yeah, Dabo Sweeney going off there on a fan. He didn't really answer the question. He didn't. No, not at all. (laughs) I I have said this to a couple people. I love how he answered the question of why are you arrogant with, well, we won two national titles in seven years after we didn't sniff one for thirty five years. To me, that's a pretty arrogant answer. (laughs) And bragging about everything you do is kind of arrogant. Um, There was some absolutely legendary stuff in this in that rant some stuff that we didn't even get to yeah uh, like a little bit after that he goes if you've got a problem with that i don't care i work for the board of trustees the president and the ad and if they're tired of me leading this program all they've got to do is let me know i'll go somewhere else where there's an appreciation it's not just winning it's how you win yeah, yeah. and then later when someone was pleased that he'd still be coaching he goes he goes i don't know if i'll be here but i'll be somewhere i was like oh he's <laughs> spicy tonight <laughs> yep yep oh yeah hungry dabbo Mm-hmm. get him a yeah. snickers yeah yeah just a just a down year down year for the tigers but it just seems to be like when florida state was making its magical run in 2013 it was uh the gators that were going through just a nightmarish of a year you got a player shitting going viral on twitter pooping his pants and then obviously called them the foreign eighters uh not a good season for them but that's just kind of on the Clemson level of just drama on the coaching side. And uh, I don't think it's much needed. Just Clemson fans, they got spoiled as Florida state fans were for a while and, you know, getting a little taste of that of what Florida state had to do. So maybe we'll get some memes of a professor reading a book up at the top of the stand <laughs> up there in death Valley in a year or two. We'll see. That'd be pretty great. I also love he's, I think he said, I don't care either five or six times in a span of, you know, Five and a half minutes. I, I feel like you do kind of care if you go on that long, but I don't. Uh, yeah, if you're giving a five minute response here, you care. You care a lot. <laughs> if, if you didn't care, you would just you would just say, "Yeah, I don't care," and just go and, on the next question. Like, yeah, that that's, means, that's how you would do that. Yeah, and that also means too he's checking somewhere to see other fans that are griping about the season. So I wonder where he's getting that from because I highly doubt that's ever going to be face to face. Heck no. So he's finding stuff on socials watching something i don't know but the fans are getting to a, getting on his nerves a little bit so i don't think we're done i think we're gonna see some more dabo drama I, I hope we get a jimbo situation where he's walking back in the locker room locker room goes get your ass down here like jimbo did <laughs> oh, that's the next step it's the next one fans or someone doing it in person just like the the classic where's the loyalty guy mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah i hope he's well i hope he is too I'm sure he is uh, doing what uh, needed to be done back in the day there on Jimbo Fisher's call-in show. So phenomenal stuff. Love it. Great for college football. Definitely if you're an FSU fan, you're just laughing your ass off. Uh, All right. So let's jump into some practice observations, gentlemen. Uh, D'Lo, chilly, like you were saying earlier, but uh, like we're saying also to Jared Verse at practice, does he have like a Band-Aid on? Is that a – Mm-hmm. Do we know if it – I wonder if he had to get stitches or not. I know we won't get the full – li- Do you listen to the show? Like, No. You just kind of like – like when other people talk, do you just kind of like la, la, la in your own head and then you, come you back? Know, well, you know that. I do, I do have to manage the stream and everything. I'm opening up 20 tabs. I've got a damn – I think Austin – I think Austin and I have both said that he got stitches. So. He got stitches during the game. Yeah. He went back in the locker room for – maybe a series, maybe two series, and came back out with stitches. Shout out to whoever that trainer was that did that. 
I mean, that with the time crunch and then him coming back out that quickly, that's pretty damn impressive. That's and, the MVP and, of the game. He would say he would say he did not count how many stitches. So what else do they give him for those sacks? I mean, man, he just came out there and bang. Yeah, he's on something. But yeah, what are the what, who's been standing out uh, throughout practice this week? D. Lou, um, still waiting some waiting on a few players too. We talked with Mike Norvell and hoping to have Johnny Wilson back. We'll see. That'll be definitely a, a decision that they'll have to make on Friday or a game time decision. But um, hopefully, fingers crossed, get to see Destin Hill this upcoming weekend. I think I talked about him last week, but man, Jeremiah Byers has just been fantastic as of late um, in these practices, whether it's in these team situations, you know, him getting out in front and creating holes for running backs, or you go to one-on-ones against the defensive line where, I mean, he's going up against guys like Jared Verse and Patrick Payton and Gilbert Edmond and um, even Byron Turner Jr. You know, those are some fun battles and he's been winning more than he's lost as of late. And, um, he's just been very good. It feels like throughout the month of October, buyers started to settle in at that right tackle spot. Um, last three games has played basically every snap with the starters at, at right tackle after some real struggles earlier in the, earlier in the season. So I think it's just been a huge thing for his confidence, you know, to finally get going a little bit since he transferred to Florida State. I mean, he was even talking a little bit about it today after practice. Um, Darren Williamson, really strong week of practice uh you can really tell you know whenever this guy's not hurt there's a ton of potential in his game it's really just you know the best ability is availability and that's something that Williamson has kind of struggled with at points during his college career Mike Norvell kind of said the same thing when he's out here I mean he's just kind of making plays and he had a one-handed catch with Renardo Green blanketing him on the sideline today where he had to kind of spin around turn his body and reel it in with with his left hand um, had a, had one for a two-point conversion to give the offense some life. Really strong week of practice. Thought Vandravius Jacobs was excellent today. Multiple touchdown catches and had this mm. really tough catch at the goal line inside the five where he caught the ball, had his back to um, the goal line. DJ Lundy came over, delivered a hit, and you're like, all right, well, they're about to go to the ground, plays over. They go down. He's kind of like on top of DJ a little bit, still not down, and he fights a little bit, contorts his body, and falls into the end zone. It was just a really – it's a crazy play when you're thinking Vandravius Jacobs, you know, all yeah. 100 and, I don't know, 80, 90 pounds of him going up against DJ Lundy, who is a very big linebacker, and just the oh, fight wow. to get over the goal line there. Um, Kyle Morlock – Really good week of practice. I thought Braden Fisk, I mentioned that interception earlier. He's been pretty good this week. Renardo, obviously, even though he gave up some catches. I mean, he's just out there all over dudes. Um, Shaheen mm-hmm. Brown and Kevin Knowles, pretty good couple of days. I thought Jared, you know, very, very good as well. Really a bunch of bunch of different guys um, flashing throughout the week. I mean, that can even go down to, like, scout team guys. Like, Goldie Lawrence had two touchdowns today against the first-team defense when they were going up in red zone drills. So, And I think that's something that helps Florida State. You know, at this point in the season, have your scout team still be able to push you. It just kind of shows the talent that Florida State has on the roster where, you know, some of these guys are pretty good, but they're at the point of their careers where they're going to have to work on scout team and work their way up in the depth chart. You know, Goldie Lawrence <clears throat> obviously being a true freshman – and then Lamont Green Jr. was given the offensive line a, a pretty good look as well on, on the defensive side of the ball there. Damn, that sounds good. I like I really like Vondravius Jacobs. Like he's not gonna he's not making an impact this year, but I think that kid is special. 
really, really special, highly competitive. He's just one of those wide receivers where you just know he's going to give full max effort to grab that ball and come down with it, no matter who, which DBs on him, how tight the coverage is. I think whoever, you know, Florida State goes with that quarterback next year is really going to like Andreas and going to him because there's just so much potential there in him. And just having a full year of coaching going against a lot of these good DBs in practice is just, it's going to help him a ton. When he gets out there, he's going to shine for sure. And another wide receiver this week stepping up. Forest State, obviously, dealing with some injuries the last couple of weeks. Joshua Burrell, you know, getting some more work and practice. And um, especially on Tuesday, I thought he was really good going up in traffic, making some tough catches. I know he was a guy we highlighted a little bit back in the preseason when he was flashing some during fall camp. And, you know, we weren't sure of the role he was going to play at the time. He hasn't played a big one for Florida State so far in 2023. But, I mean, I'd be interested if he can continue to show some flashes and practice moving forward, some consistencies Will the coaches, you know, be confident enough to put him out there, give him a little bit more of a shot than he's gotten thus far? It sounds like a lot of things for that wide receiver room. Just kind of you have your top guys. You know, you got your Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman. Um, and, you know, Destin Hill has been thrusted into there and, and become a, a really reliable starter for what Ron Dugans likes to do in that wide receiver room and, and Norvell offensively. But, you know, there's still some that we're not seeing – you know, full steam ahead for like these Von Dravis Jacobs or even, you know, high key ones where we're seeing some glimpses there, but you just kind of forget, man, you've got some serious, serious talent deeper into that wide receiver room. Mm -hmm. um, and jo if Joshua Burrell, who I think throughout practices that I was at last year, you can just tell, you know, that this guy coming back from multiple injuries, a full go, he's really kind of a hybrid, you know, Florida state putting him back there at the running back room, testing some things there. He's just got some different kind of talents outside of your regular kind of wide receiver. And they obviously see that he's got some good vision if they put him there at the running back uh, room, got the smarts and, you know, we, you already know the physical attributes, a lot of fans, you know, whenever he first arrived, you could just tell he could take on that, those tight coverages and one-on-ones and usually win those matchups he's got really really good hands he's not the most i wouldn't say the most athletic dude but he's really physically built and whenever you're going for physical matchups definitely if you're in the red zone you're shooting your shot there in the end zone i you know there's a few guys that you know we're not going to see a whole ton of this year but next year this this wide receiver room it will not be slept on no matter who's going in this nfl draft and as far as other guys maybe that stood out at practice uh Conrad Hussey came away with an interception against Jordan Travis today, which, I mean, Jay Trav, not a guy that throws very many interceptions in practice. So Hussey able to get him. And then he also had an impressive play where um, he was on the backside. The offense, it was third down. So the offense ran a run to the right side. They got the first down, obviously. So they had won the rep at this point. And Rodney Hill was going down the sideline, and you had Conrad Hussey pursue from the backside of the play and come out and push him out of, the out of bounds rather than giving up a touchdown. And, I mean, just got rewarded with some love from uh, Adam Fuller and Mike Norvell for the hustle. I mean, to go down there, you know, he started 40 or 50 yards away from the play. I mean, to get over there and get Rodney Hill out of bounds rather than giving up a potential score. Kind of saw the same thing against Wake Forest, you know, him being part of that effort to uh, chase down the running back on that 51-yard run. Just some, uh, yeah. some encouraging signs out of the true freshman who looks like he's going to be um, a big part of Florida State's future in that defensive backfield. And one one other interesting thing that I noticed at practice today, you know, during the offensive line and defensive line one-on-ones, you had Jared Verse and 
Darius Washington matched up against each other um, at at that left tackle position. And I just noticed like before the before their reps and after their reps, even when they weren't in at that time, they were spending a lot of time communicating with each other. And at one point, they're even kind of off to the side. And it looked like Jared Burst was kind of like showing him a pass rushing move and like how Darius should defend it. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a cool little thing to see just two veterans, two guys that have played a lot of football, just working on little small details with one another. I mean, you got to imagine how much how much can it help Darius Washington to be able to talk to someone like Jared Verse and be like, well, if the guy does this, how do I defend it? How do I make it tougher for you? And then the same thing for Jared Verse. You know, if I do this move, what what would an offensive tackle like you try to do to defend it? How can I combat that? Just cool to see those two kind of go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you see that a lot in the NFL, at least being at a lot of these at the Bucks practices throughout the week. Um, you see a lot like Shaq Barrett. We'll be talking quite a bit with Tristan Wirfs um, and those two working on, on perfecting their craft. But it's also great to know what your competitor is going to be doing. You know, what, what kind of homework can you do uh, to understand, OK, if I can read that he's probably going to do this with his leg or he's going to put his hands placement here. There's just so much that go into that. But just seeing Jared Verse and his element that he's turning to become a big time leader. We saw that. That was something that he wanted to be he wanted to be more of a leader going into the season. Uh, and, you know, he's going to be a future first round pick. And for Darius to kind of get that kind of convo, I think is, is, is great. But um, I, I think, I think that's just kind of the theme of this team right now. It's kind of set in stone where there's a lot of accountability being held, something that had to be fixed. And now, you know, coaches, you know, players coaching uh, their teammates, man, like there's just certain things that as a player, you're going to listen you're just going to listen more. I mean, you're definitely going to listen to Norvell. It's hard not to. And, you know, he that's your head coach. But like a lot of head coaches will say, you know, it's really up to uh, the players. And it's like a player-ran team, you know. And that's how this team has kind of folded into uh, this year. And they've become this way. So really, really cool stuff there to hear about that, though, D. Lou. I like those little side things going on. It's, it's much needed. Uh, all right, let's jump into Pittsburgh, which uh, Pittsburgh Panthers are not the uh, greatest football team in the country, but Florida State's still going on the road. This is going to be a 3.30 kickoff. Uh, would y'all rather this have been a noon game, or y'all call it the 3.30s, or would you have won this? 3.30s are the best. No, 3.30s like are the best. Yeah, especially for away games. You know, At home, you want the night games because there's nothing better than dope at night, but away games, 3.30 is perfect. I kind of enjoyed the noon game last week, and maybe it was just because I was working from home instead of actually having yeah. to go up to the stadium and everything. <laughs> but I mean, man, I was done with my work relatively early, a lot early, a lot earlier than I normally am. It's nice, no traffic, nothing, all that kind of stuff, just chilling. But yeah, if you're on end stadium, things are a little bit different. But um, yeah, Pat Narduzzi, Pittsburgh's head coach, after kind of receiving some backlash last weekend, wasn't too happy after a game and felt like he did not do a good job recruiting or in the portal to get better players. That was a pretty interesting Twitter day there for Pat Narduzzi, but uh, specifically talking about this upcoming matchup with Florida state against Mike Norvell and the Seminoles. uh, He talked about the talent of this team and how many players there are across the board. Um, And I love how he says, I think they're ranked fourth in the country on my USA today coaches poll. I've had them at two for a long time. 
Uh, and he said, I watched them earlier this year. I've had a chance to peek at them. And, you know, Jordan Travis, Mike Norvell has done an outstanding job there in his time there. Uh, and he's an excellent coach. He's also the offensive coordinator. I think Jordan Travis is playing about as high level as any quarterback in the country. We've got a great football team to play, and that's kind of where our focus is going, right to them. We focus on that last night after our team meeting. We break up and go offense, defense again, and just get onto this new page. I think that's always a good way to end our meetings, so we're ready to go. Um, and so Pat Narduzzi, uh, really great defensive mind, actually here in Tampa. There's two players that the Buccaneers drafted who are really performing uh pretty nicely for the Bucs, Ravache Dennis, um, and then Kalijah Cansey, their first round pick. So uh, Pat Narduzzi, really good defensive-minded coach, but just not having a great year. They're two and six on the season. Um, how are y'all feeling about this game just overall going into it for you guys? Is this, I, I was overhearing earlier a, a trap game thing, but this is just not going to be a good football game if you're just a college well, football fan. If you're an FSU fan, you're going to love every bit of it, but this is just not going to be a good football game on Saturday. First, I don't think you can just breeze over the quote he had after the game against Notre Dame. Uh, so, so, so I'll just go ahead and say it. He's, yeah, go he's ahead. Said after, he said after the Notre Dame loss, I'll go back as a football coach. You lose a lot of good players from a year ago, and you think as a coach you're going to replace them, and obviously we haven't. Again, it starts with me. I didn't do a good enough job coaching today. They, The players took the, you know, you think you're going to do a good job of replacing them, we haven't, and just ran with it. You know, there was a ton of pit players on Twitter yeah. going, oh, wow, and eyeball emojis, and you know, dot, dot, dots. A lot of very unhappy players, and I'm sure the first couple, couple of days of this week were – just a lot of damage control for Narduzzi. And it's going to be interesting to see how the team responds to that this Saturday. You know, they got absolutely mollywopped last week at Notre Dame. And now you've got number four, Florida state coming to town. I'm glad they got their nonsense win out of the way against Louisville a few weeks ago. And now Florida state can handle their business this weekend. This is the kind of game where you're either going to get the best uh, performance that Pittsburgh has left in them this season, or, I mean, they're just going to continue to fall apart like we saw at Notre Dame, you know, not really sure what team you're going to get at this point, obviously have a different quarterback than they started the season with. And I hate how you pronounce his name, um, <laughs> an offense that, I mean, ranks ranks 99th or worse on a ton of different metrics, a decent defense, but this one feels like if Florida state goes in there with the right attitude and plays like we've seen them play the last couple of weeks, it should be another victory for Florida state. This is one of those games that I think if Florida State starts how they did against Wake Forest, like if it's, you know, 27 to 7 in the second quarter, I could see Pitt just going, yeah, whatever. We've had enough. Um, you know, when you, you see the Notre Dame score and Notre Dame put up 58 points, and you're like, oh, wow, the off Notre Dame's offense must have been insane. But it was quite the opposite, actually. Notre Dame had a punt return touchdown. They had a pick six. They had a muffed punt, or yeah, muffed punt recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. So he had 21 points off of just nonsense. And then Notre Dame's offense kind of did some things in the second half, but, it's, you know, it's an okay defense. That's to, they play a lot of man from what I've seen in the last couple of games. So it's going to be very similar to Lake Forest game, and surely Jordan Travis is going to try his best to attack it downfield. Narduzzi also making sure highlighting the defensive line for uh, Florida State and that, and that whole defense as a whole. But uh, he says, uh, every good secondary has a good D-line, right? They've got some athletic ends that rush up the field, one from the University of Albany. That's a game wrecker. 
Uh, he's special, but they've got athletes all over the field. They're athletic. They're well coached, and I've had a great and I've had great conversations with Mike Norvell through the years. And he, his team, plays with toughness, physicality, and they believe and they play hard. And that's what our football team is like. Uh, and I think that he's got the same kind of thing going on there. So, um, yeah, Florida State, different kind of caliber team, I would say this year. But still, uh, like I was saying earlier, Pat Nardi's really. Usually this doesn't happen to his squad like this. You know, he had a really phenomenal run there with Kenny Pickett. Um, he actually gave some praise to Jordan Travis as well, gave some more. Uh, he said, we can talk Kenny Pickett, but can we also talk about Jordan Travis as well? He's playing at a high level. What's he got? Eight, 18 touchdowns and two interception. Uh, the guy doesn't make mistakes, and he's confident. The guy plays with swagger, too. He gets a run. He looks like he's a linebacker. Just the emotion. He plays with emotion and passion. He is the leader of that football team, guaranteed. So a lot of praise for Jordan Travis. A lot of head coaches have been talking about Jay Trav uh, on game weeks and give a lot of praise there. Not a lot of them have been able to stop him, but he obviously knows what's coming into Pittsburgh. And, you know, Florida State still – you know, being able to score over 30 points on teams, I think this is most certainly going to be the same way. I think uh, Notre Dame put up 50, 58. 58. Yeah. So, uh, like, I said, like I said, 21 of it was silliness. So, th- mm. there's some regression of the norm. It's weird in our duties, he's more complimentary of the opposition than his own team, but, you know, it's a conversation for another day. Yeah. Mm. Plus, <clears throat> I think, plus Pittsburgh threw four interceptions last week. Yeah. So, little. A little bit of flukiness in the Notre Dame game. I'm not sure if we'll see see one in the 50s this weekend. But, I mean, there's definitely some potential for Florida State to put up points as long as um, they take care of the football and, you know, don't make too many penalties like we saw last week against Wake Forest, over 100 penalty yards. But at the same time, I mean, Pittsburgh, another heavily penalized team coming into this game. I think Florida State is number 115 in the country in penalty yards per game, and Pittsburgh is 121. So we might see our fair share of yellow on Saturday afternoon. Mm, fun, exciting, great, awesome. <laughs> uh, this is a nice, kindly donation here from B. Frank Life Vlog, uh, dropping a 10 bomb on us and has a question. It says, as a huge FSU fan, I said today during a conversation against a coworker, Gator fan, go figure. If we win out, if Florida State wins out, do you guys think they will still try to screw us over? And I'm guessing this is about the college football playoff committee. What do you guys think? I personally do not think so. I think a lot of these, I, I don't know how the committee thinks, but just going off of, you know, Florida state and their, you know, resume and the amount of talent that they have. I think a lot of, at least the college football playoff would like to see, I think FSU matches up well and competes good in the college football playoff. I don't think they want to put in a team that they don't think is going to be able to battle some of these other teams that we've seen in the past where you've got your number one smoking out your number four. I think Florida State, like we were talking about earlier against Ohio State, I think they match up and they play really well, and that's an actual competitive game, whereas it's not a routing and, and Georgia's whooping ass too on someone. Um, but that's just that's just me. I, I don't see them – Screwing up. Florida State does its thing. They take care of business. They go and do what they need to do. And Charlotte, uh, I think they get that that playoff berth. It's yeah. It's like you said. If they, if they went out, they're not going to leave out an undefeated conference champion because they're already fourth. Michigan and Ohio State have to play each other. Mm-hmm. I think Washington's going to lose one of these next couple of weeks. They've got a death row of a schedule coming up between you know you. I think USC this weekend. Oregon State's really good. They still have to play Washington State, who's solid. I forget who the fourth team is, but they've got 
some really tough games coming up. Georgia could easily lose any of these next three games. You know, if Florida State wins out, they'll probably be either number two or number three, in my opinion. I find it hard to believe, if not impossible, to believe that an undefeated Florida State would get left out of the playoff, especially already two top 25 wins. Depending on how Miami, how the game, uh, Miami's game against North Carolina State goes this weekend, we might see the Hurricanes sneak back in there to uh, that high 20 spot going on a three-game win streak, potentially coming into Tallahassee. That could be another ranked win for the Seminoles. Um, the AC Championship, you know, we were talking about that. If Louisville gets there, that could be a potential top 25 win for Florida State. You look at Michigan, I mean, they've got a gauntlet coming ahead of them. Um, going to have to play Penn State, going to have to play Maryland on the road, then going to get Ohio State in the season finale. We'll see how that goes. If one of those teams gets blown out, I mean, you could see them potentially falling out of that top four completely. And then Georgia, I mean, they've got a pretty tough stretch as well to end that regular season. And, you know, it's no easy thing to say that they're going to finish undefeated. I mean, yeah, they've, they've got to play Missouri this weekend, then mm-hmm. Ole Miss the weekend after that, then Tennessee. You know, those are all three pretty good football teams. I'm not saying they will lose, but you could absolutely see them. You know, Florida State's absolutely got the clearest of paths. I think they're the only team above even 30% chance to win out, according to ESPN, and they're in the 50s. So, mm-hmm. They've definitely got a favorable schedule, but they have to take care of business. They got to take it one game at a time. Like Norville keeps saying, he keeps saying, play one game at a time and they'll be where they need to be. Plus, on another hand, Florida State's been dominating in the ratings. You know, they're 2 million plus views against Wake Forest. We saw how many views they did against LSU and Clemson. People want to watch the Florida State team. And I think the college football playoff committee may consider that as you get closer to the end of the season. Media ratings, baby. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying, too talented of a team, got tons of talent, and but then two eyes, eyes. And then, like I was saying, too, you want a good matchup, Florida State should be able to battle any of these teams and uh, ahead of them in the top three. So, or whoever ends up getting pushed in there, if we have some craziness, who knows, you know, we, or we still got a long, we've got a, a while away of this season still people things could shake up things could get interesting here so we'll see and you know we got to start thinking too of where florida state will play too once they get into playoff are they going to go have to travel across the country to pasadena or do they go back to where they started the season last year in new orleans somewhere where they're comfortable where they played in the past or you go back to where flashbacks of 2014 when florida state faced oregon and and they did not come away with a win there obviously and and Jameis winston uh, and Dalvin Cook not being able to get a win, which is crazy to think of. But and there's a, there's a chance you could get an Oregon rematch. Honestly, the way Oregon's <laughs> playing, it'd be crazy. It'd be wild. There's there's a chance. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rule it out. Either one of them would kind of feel like destiny, and I mean, so does this weekend, this trip to Pittsburgh. Because ten years ago, Florida State, uh, yeah, starting to run to that na- national championship. Went to Pittsburgh. That was where we saw Jameis Winston make his college debut, where he absolutely lit it up um, mm-hmm. on the national stage. Florida Kenny State caught it. Kenny caught it. Florida State winning that one 41 to uh, 13. So it's only fitting now, 10 years later, Florida State national championship contenders possibly undefeated at this point in the season to go to Pittsburgh and get another big victory. The only thing is, this Pitt team is nowhere near as talented. As, mm. as that pit team was, you know, they had what they had Aaron Donald, Devin Street, yeah. Tom Savage, like that. They, they had some legitimate talent on that pit team. I don't see anything like that on this year's pit. 
This is uh, right over here from uh, – I was seeing this earlier today tweeted, but <laughs> I don't know what Cam McDonald, friend of the show, great guy, big NG, supports us at Noel Game Day, has been since he arrived in, in Tallahassee. But I don't know what he did with this AI photo. Uh, but he tweeted, I love FSU at four. These, rank- these rankings mean absolutely nothing. I bet you Coach Norvell and company couldn't care less. Pittsburgh is on the clock. Noel's by 80,000. But I really <laughs> like Gritty Vance's response here down here saying, uh, you are correct, my guy. So this team isn't looking ahead. They're not looking at rankings, all this kind of stuff. This team is really on tunnel vision week by week on the opponent and watching film and, and making sure their matchups are, are right on cue. So uh, I, I just thought that was cool. I don't know what that photo is, though, Cam. I, th- I think it was uh, Keon Coleman that said after the Wake Forest game, someone asked him about the potential rankings on Tuesday night. He goes, what's coming out Tuesday? What channel is it on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I probably won't be watching. <laughs> yeah, and that's just like – it's just – you know, fans or even media too, you know, we're, we're not in the like headspace of, of players, man. They've got too much stuff going on and they've, it, it, it's week by week for them. But as fans, you know, that's just, and media people, that's always in our minds of what's, you know, what are the rankings going to be like? What is the reaction from the players or coaches? But it is strictly business, at least for Mike Norvell and company, like Cam McDonald saying here, who, you know, uh, first year uh, away from Florida State, but keeping in touch with a lot of the Knowles and what's going on. And speaking of strictly business, uh, Mike Norvell was asked yesterday if he'd be watching the uh, selection show, and he basically said he'd be too worried or too busy game planning, you know, getting worried or getting ready for Pittsburgh um, this weekend. I asked uh, Byron Turner Jr you know, if they were going to pay any attention to it. And he said, no, nah, we're just, we're getting ready, ready to go on the road. And Jeremiah Byers kind of echoed those same sentiments today. He said that the only, re- the only way that he saw the rankings was he got tagged on a post on Instagram or <laughs> something. He's like, we don't, we don't really care. It's, somebody even asked Norvell after the game on Saturday. He's like, you know, we're not going to force people. People are going to watch our games and put us wherever, but we don't care. Like we'll just take it one game at a time. and We'll be where we need to be at the end of the season. As long as we do what we need to do. It's a lot of coach speak. You hear a lot of control, what you can control. But what's impressive is that these players, and I mean, even the coaches under Norvell, they've all bought into this message. I mean, they're all kind of operating as one. You hear the same thing from every single guy. And, you know, it's been impressive just to see how locked in they really are at this point in the season, where this is something that Florida State, they haven't been in this position in a long time. These players on this team haven't been in this type of position but just to see the focus and the way they've executed despite having all that pressure, it's been really impressive. And obviously they've got a ways to go to uh, meet their final goal, but I mean, they're well on track. Yeah, no, they 100% are. So uh, any, anything else on, on the Pittsburgh sides from some notes that y'all put down here, I'm going back and having some flashbacks of Florida state versus Pittsburgh in 2013. If there's any kind of day job view and things happening here, if Jordan Travis has a close stat line or something at the, at this score, I'll go and say, I've got my score down right now, but I've got um, my score. It just feels like something else is going to happen here. You know, something, something's going to happen here. Where we're going to have some day job view from back in uh, 2013. It's just, yeah, l- l- luckily the weather is going to be reasonable. You know, I know a lot of fans, when you see this schedule, like, Oh my God, we to play at Pittsburgh in November. No, it's going to be in the high 50s at kickoff. That's perfectly reasonable football weather. Um, the only other thing I'll say is there is a stupid pronunciation given how it's spelled. And I know Dustin alluded to it earlier, but it just doesn't make any sense. That's all I got. It's so dumb. I mean, how do you spell your name like Vayer. that and be like, it's pronounced Vayer. Like, I would – that's 
But anyway, um, this is another chance for Mike Norvell to get a win against an ACC program that he has not yet defeated since he arrived at Florida State. Obviously got that last week against Wake Forest, snapping that losing streak there. Then now going up against Pittsburgh, who defeated Florida State back in 2020, uh, Mike Norvell's first season in Tallahassee. Jordan Travis actually um, started that game for the Seminoles and had, I believe, still the longest rushing touchdown in his college career. Um, But, yeah, like I said, this is a chance for Mike Norvell to get his first win against Pittsburgh at Florida State. That would put him, if they do win this weekend, 12 of – well, I guess 11 of 13 other ACC programs that Florida State would have defeated since he's arrived in Tallahassee. Damn. There's a lot of stats being broken. Jordan Travis, too shattering a lot of things right now. And it's going to be hard for any kind of quarterback coming into Florida state to take away his top spots. And a lot of these, I can't wait to look back after this season and see what kind of margin that he's stretched himself above uh, some of these past quarterbacks that have done, not just quarterbacks, but just players touchdowns. Um, a lot of different things that Jordan Travis has been able to make some history on a special player. Uh, all right, I've got my score. Do y'all have y'all scores in mind, gentlemen? Yep. Yep. I think it's back to me because it's a ninth game. So on the carousel, three, six, nine. One, two, three. Yeah, Austin did, Austin yeah, did so, last week. Austin is like it's a leadoff Miami week. Ooh, I can't wait for that. Mm, there you go. You got to get you – No, get I get, I get of, to do it. No, I go first, don't I? Did I go last week or did you yeah. go last week? Yeah, you went last week. Damn. I'm going to have to look it up again. <laughs> I thought you already did. I thought you went back and looked at the stats. I looked at the stats, but I didn't look at the video. Mm. I don't you want to watch myself the, talk. Share the text you sent me last night. What, the, that the Wake Forest instant reaction got more than – Oh, what's up? Sorry. Virginia Tech and Syracuse. Sorry, Dustin. Did you say something? Yeah, I said that the oh, wait, Wake Forest <laughs> – It's his mom. His mom, his mom's wanting to talk to him. Yeah, sorry, she's, you know, yeah, she's cooking dinner. Wants to know what you're wanting, wanting to make. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going. I, I, I think Florida State. They, they take care of it. It's kind of been this way for the last couple of weeks, so don't need to go on a rant. But you know, Florida State biggest thing: penalties. Take care of that. Stay healthy, uh, and and just to continue to see Jordan Travis find that 2022 Jordan Travis groove man and, and he's taking care of the ball he's doing better he's had some lucky chances there with uh not getting picked off uh, a, a time or two but he he's doing he's doing really really nice uh, the last couple of weeks so i've got florida state winning this 41 13 going back yeah. to the 2013 score now i just some some something just feels right there you know i don't know what it is but i'm here for any kind of weird cool feelings on saturday My, mine's pretty similar and I have a feeling we're going to be holding hands a lot on these score predictions. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. You know, Pitt maybe gets a garbage time touchdown at the end, but I think Florida State's they're playing too well right now. I think there's still some things they can clean up, and I think they're going to do some of that in this game against Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily say they'll make a statement just because the national media is probably not going to be watching that game th- that closely unless it ends up being a close game somehow. But like I said, the weather's going to be good. You don't have to worry about a Louisville situation. And, you know, Florida State should handle the business. I've got Florida State winning 47 to 13. Mm. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Like the way Florida State has practiced this week, 
you know, these are those kind of games where you can kind of have a lull during the season. It's like, all right, well, we're playing Pittsburgh. They've lost six of seven. They got beat 58 to seven last week. Who cares? We're going to go in there and, and beat the hell out of them. You haven't really seen that before to say they came out and attacked these practices. There was a ton of intensity, focus and execution on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, I just really like how this team isn't getting caught up going through the motions. You know, they're getting ready to go out there and perform each Saturday. Um, Pittsburgh, not a very good football team, and they've been struggling mightily on offense. I don't think their defense is going to be able to do enough to pick them up in this football game as long as Florida State can uh, avoid turnovers and not make as many mistakes penalty-wise as Pittsburgh because we're going to see some in this one, I feel like. I'm going to go Florida State 48, Pittsburgh 13. That <laughs> feel. Uh, <laughs> nice. Very nice. Uh, I think that's going to do it. I wanted to bring up, though, VZ. I, was, I put in the uh, game day Discord, but about uh, James Harden going to team up now with Terrence Mann. What, what are y'all's thoughts? Because y'all are basketball guys. I'm not really <laughs> having the NBA, but what, how does that affect Terrence Mann if it does? You know, how does that work? Well, we got we got to back up a little bit because for the longest time, you know, Philly wasn't going to do the trade unless they got Terrence Mann, and the Clippers were dead set on not getting Terrence Mann. So there's there's this whole two week joke running around that Terrence Mann's untouchable, which you know, I I can understand. James Harden's not worth trading a lot of crazy assets for. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, he's supposed to be starting for the Clippers this year. He's had an ankle injury, so he hasn't played so far this year, but. It's going to be interesting to see if they bring Russell Westbrook off the bench so Terrence can still start, or if Terrence comes off the bench, or if maybe even Harden comes off the bench so they can get some more scoring. It's going to be interesting to see how it all figures out. On paper, the names are crazy. I mean, between yeah. Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, James Harden, even Norman Powell. You know, if you're looking at this in 2015, you're like, oh my God. Mm-hmm, but it's yeah. 2023. So we'll see if it ends up working out. On paper, it's scary, but you've got some guys on that team that are not available very often, so I'd be interested to see who's still playing whenever we get to March. It's also the third time Russell Westbrook and James Harden have played together. And it's not exactly like it worked out that well, what was it, three years ago in Houston? And they're only that much older now? Yeah. I I wouldn't have done it if I was the Clippers. You know, the team's playing well. They're 3-0. Russ has done a good job of setting up Kawhi and PG. I personally would have done it, but hey. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, as long as my boy Terrence is able to play, here's Spear Lum. You know, play. He, he's he's just so talented. He got a big bag too not long They're ago. Saying he's, I think he's supposed to make his debut tonight after dealing with his ankle injury. Should also say he just signed a deal with um, Skechers recently. Mm. One of the nice. first two. Uh, signature athletes that Skechers has. I for, I want I forget who the other one was. I'd, I'd have to look real quick, but it was a pretty big name. Skechers sneakers into the NBA. Yeah, no, I see that on Google here. He's uh, it's Julius Randle bags, man. Those those are where the big big bags sometimes come in, man. That's pretty dope, though. Good for him. Good for him. You know, yeah. we we always talk highly about him. But uh, really, really good guy too. So I'm also to say, I'm also to say, I'm very sad. My Vikings didn't trade for Jameis after yeah. the Kirk Cousins injury, which I was very sad about, and then only made it worse because there was a rumor that they were looking at Jameis and it didn't end up happening. So 
Yeah, that Twitter account, a little fishy. But I was, I will, I'll hope for anything, you know, just to get him out of New Orleans. I just, get I, I, I wonder if New Orleans was asking for a little bit too much, like asking for a fourth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we ended up getting Josh Dobbs for what's essentially a pick swap. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably, probably what it came down to ultimately. Which is sad. I would have, I would have been in Atlanta this weekend because the Vikings play in Atlanta this weekend. I would have been there if Jameis had gotten traded. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. We need Austin's thoughts on the basketball exhibition game. Do we? (laughs) I don't know that we do. Don't know if we want those. So it's a little closer than it should have been. That's why Uh, I wanted to hear what you had to say. Obviously, it's tough because I can't watch the game. I can only go by stat broadcast. You know, Coach Hamilton's never won an exhibition game televised for whatever reason. I'm not exactly mad about that, but it's like, you know, there's people who want to watch the team. Yeah. Even if they're playing flag or college, and even if they're losing a couple minutes into the second half, you know, still want to watch and see what's going on. But um, that's when I really need to watch. They they ended up taking off with the last couple minutes. They ended up winning by. I I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but they ended up winning by I want to say 17. Ended the game on a 19-2 run after it was tied 71. Yeah, tied at 71 with like five or six minutes left. Um, and so like some like some of the same issues are so they're they're losing too many points at the three-point line. They're not rebounding that well. Um, getting Jalen Ganey back will help on that on the rebounding end. But the three-point side, you know, they weren't playing with Primo Spears, which they're still waiting on his waiver, and we're 10 days away from the season. So they're not still getting no- the waiver. St- but like st- not having a word either way, ten days out is a little insane. Considering he's been signed with Florida State since May, um, just gotta love the NCAA. Mm. And then didn't play with Chandler Jackson, who apparently had a stomach bug. And you know he's he's a fine shooter, but I still think they're losing too many points offensively in three point end. They shot below thirty percent from three, I want to say, and then Flagler ended up shooting like 39 percent. And if Flagler can do that, some of these other teams are going to be able to do that. I guess we don't know for sure, but I guess it's probably not something Hamilton is going to say publicly. But just do we think Chandler Jackson, everything's all good, and yeah, he's suspension? good. I, I've been, I've been told he's good. Everything's cleared. It's just he he said after the game in the press conference that it was some kind of stomach bug, and he would have played otherwise. That's good. Well, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for us. Guys, we'll be back here on Saturday after the game to give our instant reaction to Florida State versus Pittsburgh. I think all of uh, us. You ended up not going? Mm-mm, nope. Soft. Staying here. Too many things. Too many things. We got a long, we got a long so, season ahead. Basically, if Florida State loses this weekend, it's Logan's fault. Yeah. yeah. You could you yeah, could have sent me and reimbursed I'll me. Take I that. That's, that's the only game so far in 2023 that no game day has not had any representation at. You Sorry. could have sent me. I would have. I would have made the flight. They were. I was looking go. around. Maybe it's better in Charlotte. It probably might be. It's probably better. We'll still you send you the flight before five days before the game. You know. Yeah, for sure. Too many things going on. Can't do it. Can't do it. But we'll, we'll be we'll be joined up hopefully in Charlotte together, holding hands. Come see your household, VZ. Come sleeping. Well, for for part of it, because I, I am planning on pulling double duty that day. Florida Whoa. State plays at North Carolina. At 2 p.m., and the ACC championship ACC championship game doesn't kick off until 8 or 8:30. That's so I'm crazy. planning on doing both. I just applied for the UNC credential Damn. earlier. That's wild. 
But we'll be at your mom's house. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I think I think we'll probably be at the media hotel, but yeah, we're gonna be at your mom's house. <laughs> She's <laughs> probably gonna be with me at the game, so <laughs> we'll be probably. in your house without anyone there. You can watch the dog. Perfect. We don't have to pay someone to watch the dog for us. Beautiful. There you go. Dustin's used to watching dogs and taking the dog out and everything. So I'm it's perfect. One right now. Got a cat coming up. She's ready to go get some food. I'm also hungry. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Also for the kind donations uh, today. That was awesome. Uh, thank you very much to be Frank uh, for, for the 12 bomb on us. And y'all brought in some really good questions too in the comments and really helping really helps support us as well with just coming in hitting the like button and just hanging out with us really appreciate it uh, but yeah everybody enjoy the game on saturday enjoy all of the college football sports this is like sports heaven right now you know we're ending the november and there's so many things going on so uh enjoy the weekend and uh, we'll talk to you guys saturday after the game peace Mama told me, not to sell work, mama 17